الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولا تهنوا ولا تحزنوا وانتم الاعلون ان كنتم مؤمنين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم المسلمون كرجل واحد ان اشتكى عينه اشتكى كله وان اشتكى راسه اشتكى كله او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسبحان الله الكريم بسم الله يستن things that everybody cherishes everybody wishes to safeguard it nobody wants that these aspects are harmed in any way among these things is the aspect of respect everybody wants to be respected nobody wants to be humiliated nobody wants to be disregarded in any way ignored and worse than that nobody wants to be oppressed or be trampled upon this is part of every human's nature and indeed so allah taala has given us the command to respect every muslim and in fact every insan and human being allah taala has blessed with rights if the person is a neighbor then he has rights as a neighbor no matter who he might be he might be the worst atheist on earth but as a neighbor he has rights it might be the person who is the worst mushrik and idolater but allah taala has placed certain rights upon everybody for him also if he leaves this world without iman and islam then he is going to face the consequences of that which are eternal damnation and eternal doom but while he is in dunya even that human being who is most distant from allah taala he also has rights upon others so every person wants to be respected every person wants to be honored every person wants that his rights are upheld that he is not disgraced in any way he is not oppressed in any way when this is the feeling of every individual then obviously on a more bigger level as a community and every community will desire the same and then on the highest level the ummah at large so obviously this will be the same that the ummah would want that respect and honor especially considering that we are the believers in allah tabaarak wa taala and allah taala has promised respect and honor for the believers So this will be something that will all the time be in front of us that being the believers in Allah Taala, being the ummah that is subservient to Allah Taala, being the followers of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But yet, if we look at our condition globally, what is the situation? Who is the most downtrodden? Who is generally the most humiliated? Who is the most disgraced? Who is the most oppressed? and all the negative things if you look at it on a general scale 
then unfortunately it is the Muslims. But then our analysis is also like the analysis of those who are without Iman. That is unfortunately where the big problem lies, that when we try to analyze the situation of what is the problem, why is this the case, why is the Ummah in this kind of disgrace and humiliation, why doesn't the Muslim have that respect and honor that he once upon a time enjoyed. Unfortunately, our analysis also is confined to the manner of analyzing the situation like somebody sitting in some place of the world without Iman and he's analyzing it. We will also confine it to material things, to political issues, to other things of this nature. All these things have their place, but this is not the basis upon which the Ummah will gain respect or upon which the Ummah will be downtrodden. There's a very different system which Allah Ta'ala has placed. And it is the system upon which the Ummah will be either elevated or it will be humiliated. The issue is that together with all the various aspects of deen, when the society will become that kind of society which Allah Ta'ala has commanded, when it will adopt those values, when they will bring in their lives those aspects which Allah Ta'ala has ordered in the Qur'an Sharif, which Nabi Wasallam practically taught, which he enjoined, and this is the platform upon which the Ummah will progress. Everything else is doomed to failure. And this society starts off right at the very basic level, as we say charity begins at home. This society begins at home. The building blocks of the masjid are the bricks. All these bricks put together build the masjid. If you don't have the bricks, then the masjid cannot be standing. Likewise, that society, the building blocks of that society is every Muslim home. And when this mu'ashara of Islam, the social life that Islam is taught, when it starts off right in the, at the very elementary level, right in every Muslim home, then there will be a Muslim community. Not a Muslim community just by name, but in reality. And then there will be a Muslim ummah. And this is where it starts off from. Unfortunately, this is where we have lost it. That on a personal level, on a family level, on an extended family level, on a community level, we are looking for izzat and honor in the way that the West is looking for it. In the things of the West, in the ways of the Yahud and Nasara. And this is the sure recipe for a person's personal degradation, for his humiliation in dunya and akhirat, as a family, as an ummah. Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab he was on his way to conquer Masjid al-Aqsa, to Baytul Maqdis. The Muslim army was already there. And the rabbis had already engaged them. And they said, look, we have already read in our scriptures. If a person of this description, and the person they were describing was Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala 
We have already read it in our scriptures. A person of this description comes, we will hand over the keys of the city to him without a fight. Because already it has been foretold to us, such a person will come, you will not be able to stand in his way. So you bring such a person in front of us, we will hand over the keys to him. So when this became the situation, eventually they rode back to Hazrat Umar and they asked him to please come down from Madina Munawara to come. In any case, he finally came. It's a lengthy incident, but on the way, now he's traveling with one slave on a camel, which was regarded as a very lowly form of transport. One is nowadays somebody drives around in some very upper, high model, high class vehicle, something that's top of the range, with tinted windows and with a blue light brigade all escorting him along. And then somebody is driving along in one, maybe one small little vehicle without even any luxuries in it, comfort in it, nobody takes a second glance. In that time, the camel was a very lowly form of transport. A horse would have been something far better. And then in that too, there's so many categories. He's riding on a camel. He's Amirul Mu'mineen. And as they come along, there's a path where he has to now, and they're sharing the camel. Sometimes he's riding, and then there's a chance that he gives to his slave to ride. And he's walking. And he's Amirul Mu'mineen of the time. And he's going to conquer Baytul Maqdis. And as they come along, there's a path where he has to now wade through water. And it is time to walk. He takes his socks off, puts it on his shoulder. And he starts wading through that muddy water. When they come across, eventually the other Sahaba that were already in Sham, they were now waiting, Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah, and many others. They receive him. Many details in it, but just to come to this point, when finally Umar only agrees to move on in that same garment, stuffed garment that he was wearing. And he refuses the offer of the good clothes that he was offered. That now you're going to meet these dignitaries. And you should change your clothing. And they offered him a beautiful horse to ride on. And after he had rejected all this, and those who had suggested all this to him, one of them was Ubaidah was a very high ranking Sahabi. And he said to him that, I wish somebody else had give me, given me this suggestion, rather than you. In other words, your position, your rank among the Sahaba, this is becoming a barrier from making you an example. Otherwise, I would have punished you and made you an example. And then he replied, I said to him, and said to the Sahaba who were present there, that, Innakum kuntum azallan nas, wa ahkaran nas, wa aqallan nas, Think back, what kind of people were you? Meaning the Muslims prior to Islam, the, the, the Arabs prior to Islam, what was their condition and situation? Before Islam and Deen came, what kind of lives they led? He's describing the Arabs of that time. He said, Kuntum Azallan Nas. You were the most despicable of people, the most humiliated of people. Wa Nas. The most disgraced and debased people and the smallest community in number Islam. Allah Ta'ala gave you izzat and honor by means of Islam what is Islam? it's just a concept 
is Islam just fasting in the month of Ramadan and maybe beyond that perhaps also performing our salah is Islam only if Hajj is first we'll perform our Hajj these are all the pillars of Islam indeed but Islam is not confined to just few aspects only Islam is an entire way of life from morning to evening a person is governed by Islam from the time he opens his eyes till the time he sleeps and from cradle to grave in his business in his personal life whether he is in his home with his family whether he is a person in society whether he is at his job and work and profession Islam teaches him how to conduct himself in everything and because the Sahaba had adopted this entire code of life so he is saying to them فَعَزَّكُمُ اللَّهُ بِالْإِسْلَامِ Allah Ta'ala granted you respect and honor by means of Islam فَمَهْمَا تَطْلُبُ الْعِزَّ بِغَيْرِهِ يُذِلُّكُمُ اللَّهِ and whenever you will try to seek respect and honor with something besides Islam you want to get honor in the way that the Jews try to get it in the way the Christians want it in the way the West has reached out their totally decadent way of life you want to get izzat and honor in that you zillukumullah Allah Ta'ala will disgrace you as an individual if you do it as an individual and as a community if the whole community goes in that way if their weddings become like the weddings of the Yehud and Nasara they'll invite the same disgrace if their dressing becomes the way of the dressing of the Yehud and Nasara they will invite the same humiliation and disgrace if their way of conducting their businesses, conducting their social lives becomes no different to the way of the Yahud and Nasara if they are going to be with Muslim names but actions of the Yahud they are going to be outwardly Muslim but inwardly Yahud because their mindset will be thinking like the Jews like one person just mentioned that one accountant was giving an accountant was giving somebody advice and he's giving the person advice and telling him, please, if you want progress, you want to prosper, get out of the banks. That person is looking at him like he's talking something weird. How can you ever function in this time and age without the banks, without the overdraft, without all the interest? Now, a Muslim accountant is giving the person some nasihat, some advice. That you want to move ahead in life, in your business, in everything else, get out of these banks. He's looking at him like he's talking something from Mars. Now the whole concept changed. The person, mashallah, has got a Muslim name, he'll be in the first cult, but inside the heart is thinking like the Yahud. The heart is thinking like how the Jews and Christians are thinking. That without the interest system we do, we can't work now. So Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala on this occasion is saying to them, when you will seek izzat and honor in anything but Islam, you zillukumullah, Allah ta'ala will disgrace you, Allah ta'ala will debase you then you will keep analyzing the situation then you will keep blaming it on this and that and the other but that self-reflection, has that happened? to what extent we are looking for izzat and honor in things apart from Islam when the Muslim armies were just running across Sham and Syria at that time and then the Roman armies were just being mowed down Hiracle he was really baffled, how can this be happening? So once again when his army returned defeated, many were killed in the hundreds of thousands and those who somehow came back, so he gathered them. 
And after having gathered them, he asked, he said, look, I want to ask you something. That these people you face on the battlefield, are they humans like you or something else? He said, no, they are human like us. So they are human like you. Are you in greater number or are they in greater number? He said, no, we far outnumber them. There are no comparison to our number. There were some occasions where the Sahaba were 4,000 and the enemy were in the 200,000. Where's 4,000 and where's 200,000? We outnumber them by, there's no comparison. So he says, you are, they are human like you. You outnumber them in so, so great numbers. How come that you cannot stand in front of them? You cannot hold your ground. You are just defeated like in no time. So one old person stood up. فَقَالَ شَيْخٌ مِّنْ عُزَمَائِهِمْ One old person woke up. He said, I'll tell you. Then he gave this analysis. We are all the time sitting and analyzing around some meal we are sitting and analyzing. We are sitting and analyzing on so- at social functions. Outside the masjid, we are sitting and analyzing. We will ha- not have the opportunity to spend another 3-4 minutes making dua for the ummah, but we will have 20 minutes to stand and analyze the conditions. So we are all analyzing. This old man stood up also, he also analyzed the situation. And he is saying to Hiraqal, I will tell you why. What was his analysis? And this is coming, as they say, from the horse's mouth. When an enemy gives somebody praise that is really worth it. Somebody who is his ardent friend, he will even cover up all the faults and say, no, don't worry, you're very good. But somebody who is your enemy and he says, no, you're a good person, then really there's something worthwhile. This person doesn't have Iman, he's a part of Hiraku's army. But he was somebody who had eyes, who had a heart, who could think, who could understand. So now he thought and he gave the analysis. He said, min ajli annahum, now he's giving the analysis. On the one side is the Muslims. Min ajli annahum yaqoomoon al-layl, wa yasoomoon al-nahar. You want to know why? These are people who stand up in ibadat, they worshipping their rub at night. Now he's talking about tahajjud salah. He observed this. So if those people who are standing in tahajjud salah begging Allah Ta'ala's help, can we imagine they're missing their first salah? How many times we miss our first salah? You know, five times salah in order. He's saying, you, they, are just, they are just getting progress all the time. Why? Min ajli annahum yaqubun al-nahar. They are even fasting during the day. He's talking about even nafil fast. The third fast is obvious without saying. They keep to their promises. They don't break their promises. They are people of values. Unfortunately, nowadays, value, what is value? Value has become material value. A person's worth is judged according to material value. Real values of respect, values of and modesty and shame, of simplicity, of forgiveness, of compassion and kindness, of all the other values of deen, of taqwa, of tawakkul and trust in Allah wa ta'ala, of inabat and ruju in Allah, of the love of Allah ta'ala. These are things all secondary. Value in the eyes of insan generally nowadays is material value. What is his material worth? What does he drive? What kind of phone he's got? What brand labels he's wearing? These have become values. Whereas in the cover, the reality of these values will open out. 
that it is valueless once a person's eyes close, the reality will open out. So he says, "Bin ajri annahum yaqubun al-layl, wa yasumun al-nahar, wa yufuna bil-ahad." They keep up to their promises. They don't just say that the check is in the post, whereas it's the post meaning what's post lying in the cupboard here. Wa yufuna bil-ahad, wa yamuruna bil-maaruf, wa yanhuna anil-munkar. They enjoin the right. They forbid the evil. How many times a person wants to do what is right, but there are those around him will forbid him. They'll forbid him from the right. He wants to do something correct. He wants to conduct himself in a way that a Muslim should conduct himself. See what, what's wrong with you? Which life you are? Which world are you living in? He wants to have his nikah of his daughter or his son in the way of the sunnah. Says you are. It seems like you want to conduct a funeral. So a person wants to do the right, he is being restricted. And if somebody wants to do the wrong, then everybody is there to help him. Everybody there is, is there to spur him on. MashaAllah, na'uzu billah, we'll say mashaAllah on it also. وَيَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَيَتَنَاسَفُونَ بَيْنَهُمْ And they are just with one another. There's no oppression. They don't run down one another's rights. There's no character assassination. There's no ghibad. There's no kind of all backstabbing and all kinds of evil that go on in society. This is not their way. And then the other side, he analyzed the other side also. Why are we being mowed down? Why are we being disgraced? What is our problem? He then gives their problem also. He says, What is our life? We are involved in intoxicants. We drink. We are involved in zina. Let us now reflect that self-reflection. How much of these vices have become the norm in our societies? Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. And he further goes on and gives a whole list. We break our promises. We are oppressive to one another. We actually command that which is evil. We stop people from doing that which is right. One girl asked for some advice. How to handle the situation? What was the situation? She decided as a Muslimah. She made a conscious decision. I don't want to dress up in the way of the Yahud. I don't want to be looking like a Yahudiyah. I'm no more going to be wearing these jeans and tops. I'm not going to be dressing like somebody who doesn't resemble the Sahabiyah even to the iota of option. She made a decision. So what happened as a result? Her parents, her family, cousins, everybody became just pounced upon her, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Na'uzu billahi min zalik. Because she decided now she wants to dress as a modest Muslimah. Now that became what is wrong with you? Na'uzu billahi min zalik. Now we want to ask what is the problem? Why are we being humiliated as an ummah? There's the analysis. Are we enjoying what is right? Are we forbidding what is wrong? Or are we doing the opposite? Are we keeping up to our promises? What is the condition of our five daily salah? What is the condition of all the other aspects of deen? So this was the analysis he gave. And unfortunately, when this became the condition of the ummah at any stage, sometimes this becomes the issue, we'll just wrap up in a few minutes, that the problem is we don't have Islamic leadership, we don't have proper leadership. Leadership is all in its place. We can have the best leadership. If the society is going to be engaged in these kind of vices, that leadership will be of no avail. Salahuddin Ayyubi, what leadership he provided? 
And to what level he brought that no more of the time. But after he passed away, despite the fact that he brought it to that level, but immediately people started getting involved in the vices. And in a short span of 67 years, Baghdad was invaded by the Tatars. 1.8 million Muslims were massacred. But how did this happen? 67 years from day till year? Yes, in 67 years what happened was that the norm and the, the object of life became material. Just the acquiring of the material of the dunya and living life to its full. Entertainment became the be all and end all. On occasions like Eid, the royal procession would come out and this would be such an enthralling thing, people would be so excited about it. They would get so caught up in it, there were occasions when the Eid Salah was performed at Maghrib time. Now this becomes like a very ajeeb thing. Eid Salah performed at Maghrib time, why? Because of entertainment. Eid Salah is wajib. How many times we have given up our first Salah because of entertainment? How many times the first Salah was given up because somebody was kicking a ball somewhere? Or somebody was hitting a ball with something called a bat? And a whole lot of people scurrying around it. How many first salah have been missed by the Ummah because of this? When the Ummah missed a wadib salah and postponed it till Maghrib time, that sounds today very strange to us. And we say, yes, this must obviously bring down humiliation. When the Ummah is missing their first salah because of entertainment, what will become the end result? So this is the analysis. And this is what we have to take note of. This is what we have to now start coming back to. Charity, as we said, begins at home. We have to bring this mu'asharat and social life in our own personal lives, bring the values of Iman, the values of Taqwa, the values of the Ittiba of Rasulullah The values of Deen, we have to bring it in our personal lives, bring it in our homes, bring alive the Sunnahs of Rasulullah Whatever we can do for the global state of the Ummah, whatever is within our capacity, Dua is in everybody's capacity, over and above that what we can do, we will do. But despite, and together with all that, Charity begins at home. We have to bring deen alive in our own homes. We have to bring the sunnah alive in our homes, in our own lives. We have to change our mindset to think in the light of the Quran and Sunnah. Not in the way of the Yahud and Nasara. Then we will see, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala says, in kuntum That you will have the dominance if you are truly believers. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'awana alhamdulillah.